Did you know there are more microorganisms in your body than there are known stars in the galaxy? These little creatures are responsible for healthy functioning of the body, thoughts, and feelings. That's mildly disturbing, Andrew. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I've been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I am captivated with discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I've discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. You might have noticed something a little different as we got started. I want to welcome to the show, Alina Delatore. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Uh, I am honored. We thought bringing a female perspective onto the show would make it a lot better. Doing the show as a monologue, I'm often caught up in the air with my thoughts. In every episode, I feel like I've left a little bit off the table of what I wanted to share with you. Uh, so we're going to try out a new format, having a co-host on the show to uh, give their own thoughts, uh, ask questions, and hopefully bring a little more, uh, a little more perspective and a little more quality to the content. Thanks for being here, Helena. Oh, my pleasure. So before we get started, I want to invite you to support what we're doing here at Awaken Catholic. If you want to support what we do, join the Awaken Nation. Go to awakencatholic.org forward slash donate. We're also excited about our partnership with the Hollow app. Ooh, yeah. Hollow H A. L-L-O-W, mm -hmm. is a Catholic meditation app to help you find peace and grow in your spiritual journey. To sign up for Hollow, go to hollow.app forward slash awaken. It's an amazing app. And if you're interested in anything I'm publishing, go to becominggift.com. And I'm excited to announce that I am beginning to offer life coaching and spiritual direction. If you want any help applying any topics that we talk about on the podcast to your life, or just want some support in your spiritual journey, go to becominggift.com forward slash coach. I want you to be my life coach. <laughs> I probably wouldn't listen, but <laughs> it would well, be fun. <laughs> life coaching is a professional relationship, so I think I'd have a conflict of interest yeah, being your friend. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I wouldn't listen anyway. <laughs> so, in, and we're in the middle of a series about the intelligence of the body, and these topics are foundational to understand how our choices affect our behavior. So when, when we're talking about the spiritual life, a lot of times we're talking about what we're choosing and why we're choosing it, right? Either we might struggle with a sinful behavior and, and we feel stuck in that, or we wonder why we're not able to build a good habit. Like, why can't I wake up and pray every morning? Mm -hmm. Or when I read the scripture, why am I so distracted? Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's foundational to understand why these things are the case is to understand what's going on in our body. And to be able to um, be able to start taking care of that physical side of our spiritual life too. Uh, so today we're going to talk about the microbiomes. The microbiomes are the colonies of microorganisms that live throughout our body. Oh, I, I just can't stand thinking about it, but um, we will think about this. Some <laughs> scientists actually believe we have more cells inside of us then there are our own cells in our body, <laughs> meaning that all of these microorganisms, when you count up the amount of cells that are there, they outnumber us. Uh. Now, they're much smaller than our cells, so they're not bigger than us by volume, but they outnumber us. Um, one of the things that I would challenge you on is the way you think of what's inside of you and what's outside of you. 
When you think of the human body, I think you might want to think of it sort of like a donut or like one of those noodles that people use in a swimming pool. Those noodles, uh, what's inside the noodle and what's outside the noodle? Well, there's a hole all the way through the middle of it. And you might say that's inside the noodle. But when you think real technically, what's inside the noodle is the foam. Oh. So our body, from the beginning of the digestive tract to the end of the digestive tract, you might actually think of as outside of you. And when you think of it that way, what's going on in your guts, in your stomach, small intestine, large intestine, could actually be considered like another sense organ. Oh, that's weird. So like what's going on inside of there, your body's gathering as information. And by gathering that information, it's then reacting to what's going on in there. The, the guts are actually surrounded by a massive amount of nerves that some people call the second brain. It's called the enteric nervous system. And this works very independently from the brain. They've actually had uh, uh, situations where somebody's um, brain is completely shut off and the body continues to digest. <laughs> so the digestive system is able to function separate from the brain. Uh, but there's also a massive amount of information that goes from the guts back up to the brain. It's not just that the brain's a supercomputer that's trying to control everything in the body. The body's actually, they, they say, three quarters of the information traveling up and down that vagus nerve. We talked about a couple episodes ago that three quarters of the information comes from the bottom up to the brain and only a quarter comes from the top back down. Uh, so, so this is massively important when we're talking about how we're thinking, how we're feeling. Mm. So much of it is coming from not our head, but down in our guts. Gut health. So this colony of microorganisms living in our mouth, in our, in our small intestine, our large intestine, um, and even in our reproductive organs, these microorganisms can be broken into three categories. They might be symbiotic uh, sim is with, meaning they do something beneficial for us. They're helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, we've evolved that we need some of these microorganisms to do things for us that our body doesn't do. Some of them are commensal, and that simply means they're just sort of there and they're neutral. Like, like they're not hurting us, but they're not really helping us. They, they actually have a bit of a positive benefit in that when they take up space, bad things can't take that space. Because then there are also some of these microorganisms that are parasitic meaning they're, they're harmful. They, they do things that we don't want in our body. And through this gut-brain connection, these microorganisms can do things like affect our cravings. So the way that they get food is by getting us to eat things. Sounds like children, like babies. <laughs> yeah, you, you in a sense have little creatures inside of you that you're taking <laughs> care of. Uh, so one way to think of it is that if you take care of it, it takes care of you. <laughs> um, these, these little critters are in charge of a lot of your immune function too. One, when you have good bacteria and neutral bacteria taking up the space, it prevents bad things from populating in your gut. But even beyond that, a massive amount of your immune system is actually around your stomach. So there's a very thin lining between your intestinal, uh, your intestines, what's inside your intestines, and what your body lets into it. And right inside of that lining is a massive amount of your, of your immune system. Because when things get through that lining, in a sense, things digest that aren't supposed to get through, 
uh, your body needs to attack those things to make sure they don't go any further. Um, so there's a massive amount of our immune system in our gut. Uh, you know, we're in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic right now. And one of the topics that people don't always talk much about is how do we make ourselves a poor host for the virus? Ooh, that's right. How can we improve our immune system mm -hmm. that even though, you know, there's a limited things we can do to control whether or not we get it, we can do things to make ourselves a worst host so that if we do get it, our body can handle it better. Yeah. Um, so when we're talking about this improvement of immune system, a lot of what we're talking about is improving our gut health. These, uh, these little creatures are also responsible for creating things like oxytocin that our body needs. They also are, are responsible for uh, the production of some fatty acids that our body needs. So, so these are important things that our, our body needs to function well and for us to, uh, to flourish and to feel good. That was very interesting. <laughs> so I'm curious about um, how to become a poor host to the bad things. So I have my kids eating this probiotic yogurt, Activia, and I mm. eat it as well because everyone's like, oh, probiotics are the best. But what if you're probioticing the bad stuff without knowing it? Like, how do you, mm. how do, you do it? How do you have a good, healthy gut health? Well... Remember everything, um, actually, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but everything we're doing is information for the body, mm -hmm. meaning our, our whole lifestyle. It's not just that food is fuel and that sleep is rest and that, um, and that we just sort of are like a machine that's either going or not going, but everything we're doing, whether it be eating, sleeping, resting, exercising, meditating, all this is also giving information to our body that it's reacting to. Mm -hmm. So what is in our microbiome is really the result of all of our behavior and choices from our sleep to our stress, to what we're eating. Mm. Eating is actually sort of the most information. Just think of how much food we put through ourselves. And, and by doing that, we're not just feeding us, we're feeding that bacteria. So the primary thing that's affecting what bacteria are, is in your stomach is what you're eating day to day. Uh, in probiotics, while they are helpful, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a very large colony of bacteria that's down there. And the amount of probiotics you might be putting in your body through that yogurt or through some fermented food or something like that mm -hmm. might be akin to like putting a glass of water into a swimming pool. <laughs> oh, really? So, so it doesn't actually do much. It doesn't do much, but it does do something. Okay. And th there's also like medical grade probiotics mm -hmm. that you can get either prescribed to by a doctor or over the counter at a pharmacy. Uh, so those will typically have more live cultures, uh, but, but it's, it can be certainly be helpful, but it might not make a massive difference. Hmm. Interesting. So since it's very relevant right now, how would you recommend becoming a poor host to the dreaded coronavirus? How to become a poor host? Well, the secret is that it's not as complicated as people make it out to be, um, but it is a lot harder than it sounds. Hmm. So the, I think the key to human health, the key, we talked a couple episodes ago about epigenetics and what our genes express. Yeah. We talked uh, also about the nervous system and polyvagal theory. Um, and now we're talking about this idea of the microbiome. Really, what would make one healthier will also make the others healthier. Mm -hmm. So the question is, is what I'm doing compatible with what my body expects? So we've, we talked before about evolution 
So there are certain conditions that brought the human body to be what it is. Mm -hmm. So if we're living in a way that's compatible with what our body expects, our body flourishes. If we're living in a way incompatible with what our body has come to expect, mm -hmm. it eventually produces disease. So like eating cookies that are very much, you know, processed food, your body's not expecting that. So that would make you a good host to Corona because your body is not in its natural state. You know, if you eat a lot of processed junk food and stuff like that. Yeah, and there's been a lot of research that I've read that one of the biggest comorbidities is people who are metabolically unhealthy have worse outcomes from the virus. Mm, so there's there's a sense. strong connection like between metabolic and health yeah. and the immune system. So if you eat a lot of cookies, Alina, <laughs> that is, yeah, yeah. The easiest rule for food is simply don't eat things that have a nutrition label. If something has a mm. nutrition label... It means that by your senses, you're not able to identify what it is. I'm so screwed. That's like all I ever eat. So the, so the government <laughs> requires them to identify uh -huh. the way that that food is made up. Oh. So one way to do it would be just 90% of your diet, eat food that doesn't have a nutrition label. You know, the meat from your butcher doesn't have a nutrition label. The produce doesn't have a nutrition label. Or eat things that are minimally processed. Mm -hmm. Like if you buy that bag of frozen fruit, which might be pretty fresh because it was picked fresh and then frozen fresh. Right. Um, if the ingredient is just blueberries, well, that's all the that's all that it is. What about like citric acid? Yeah. You always dump that yeah, stuff. Yeah. There's in there. a, a there's sometimes a million ingredients in them, <laughs> and and a lot of them, frankly, probably aren't very harmful. Yeah. But the problem is when the majority of our diet is made up with those things, we have to consider um, what has our body come to expect, right? What was the evolutionary process that formed our body to be what it is? And then what is this food communicating to my body? Mm -hmm. How's it affecting my epigenetic expression? How's it affecting my nervous system? How's it affecting my microbiome? And, and it's sort of a general rule and it's a bit of an oversimplification, but the foods that are in more of a natural state or more of a state where everything is together, mm. because natural foods are so complex, we don't even really appreciate everything that's going on. Um, like one of the things that's in vegetables are phytochemicals. Phytochemicals. What is a phytochemical? So, so we we talk about our food the way that um that way that chemists talk about their chemicals, <laughs> right? We break food down into things like protein and carbohydrates and mm -hmm. calories, right? And uh, and fat, right? But this is really breaking the food down in like an energy resource model of mm -hmm. metabolism, right? So the food is just energy, then my body burns it, and then it's gone. Okay. And that's all the more complex it is. So if I eat, take in less energy than I burn, then I lose weight. If I take in more energy than I burn, I gain weight. But this is really oversimplistic. Yeah. Uh, so phytochemicals are things in the food that communicate to our body and our body then reacts to. Um, things we eat also feed our microbiome. We talked about probiotics, mm -hmm. stuff that feeds the microbiome are called prebiotics. Pre for before, oh. pro for after. So, so you eat prebiotics to feed the good bacteria that's there. Uh -huh. Then you eat probiotics to add to the bacteria. Interesting. So you kind of have to do both if you really want to multiply. But do you really want to multiply all the little guys inside of you? Like well, the space is going to be filled. Okay. And this is one of the, the problems that people get yeah. into, especially, <laughs> and I'm not a doctor, so I'm not giving anyone medical advice here, mm -hmm. but when people overuse antibiotics 
Oh yeah, and it kills. It can be terrible for the microbiome Mm -hmm. because you're basically nuking the colony, right? The 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 antibiotic isn't identifying bad microorganisms from good microorganisms. It's just killing them all. Hiroshima in your whole. Um, So a lot of people who have the biggest issues with uh, their microbiome, and Mm -hmm. then outputs of that, like mood disorders. Mm Um, It could be autoimmune disease or or something else that they then struggle with. They've had a chronic use of of, uh, antibiotics Mm. through their life, Mm -hmm. whether it be that earache that comes back every year um, or recurring colds or even things that you might not need an antibiotic for. Sinus infections. Um, So one approach would be to use antibiotics only when necessary. Mm -hmm. And then if you use them to be proactive at repopulating that colony with the stuff you want in it crazy because the space will get filled yeah and whatever you're eating is going to be promoting what goes in there Hmm. it's so funny i had so many antibiotics growing up Mm. and my stomach is definitely screwed up like it's fun but um i have been trying to eat better i am now gluten-free which i thought gluten-free was ridiculous until i started having these pains since like 2015 with my last child after she was born my stomach just like, I thought I had an ulcer. Mm. And so I went to the doctor and they're like, oh, you know, you could do the whole endoscopy, active, whatever, scopy thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not doing that. So <laughs> I tried cutting like dairy out and all this other stuff, but I was refusing to cut out gluten because I love me, my carbs, and I have toast every morning. And finally I did it after last year. I was like, oh, I'm in so much pain. I mean, the pain was just awful because I was like inflamed and it was going at my back. And then I went gluten-free and whatever it did with my, my stomach, it's happy now. So Mm. it's a thing. I don't know. How does gluten do with, you know, the little guys inside of you? Does that have a correlation or no? Not really. I think it does. I don't have all the the science specifically on gluten. Mm -hmm. So we should probably do a whole episode later talking about gluten. And especially with that, talking about an idea called gut permeability. Meaning what can pass through that gut lining and what can't pass through that gut mm-hmm. lining. So there are things we eat that damage the lining in our stomach and then things can get through the lining that shouldn't. Mm. And so then a lot of times mm-hmm. you get like an autoimmune response or you get yeah. other problems with your body as, as a result of that. So let's, let's frame that. But I would say generally that uh, the microorganisms that are promoted by, by processed foods, one of them being refined carbohydrates, mm-hmm. um, so like in traditional cultures, they typically had uh, some kind of an heirloom of, of a way to prepare their food. So they would take the grain, for example, and they might soak it until it sprouts. And then they would use the, the sprouted grain to make their bread. Interesting. And then additionally, the grain that we use in our country has been genetically modified. And then they'll All use... kinds of crap in there. After they pick the grain, they'll use a, a chemical sometimes called glyphosate, and they'll spray that on the grain because it the technical term is desiccates the grain faster. It dries oh. it out faster. Oh dear. So, so this chemical is the same active ingredient that's in Roundup. Oh my gosh, that's so aggressive. And so it's typically, Why would they do that? so it's typically used as a herbicide, right? Mm. It's, it's killing plants that aren't the plants you want in the farmer's field. Right, right, right. Okay, can I just jump in here? How the crap did we end up in this place? Like how did our society, <laughs> hi, <Nick>. hi. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm listening and I'm watching and I'm just like, what is wrong with us? Why, why are we doing this? We're to impatient ourselves? and we want money. That's what's wrong with our society. Oh my gosh. And none of us are farmers anymore. Yep. Don't get me on that. I think part of it is definitely what the reward, what we reward, right? The the, the activities we reward as a society are the ones that then um, 
that then become the problem. But let's not try to fix the whole world here. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're right. There's definitely a whole complex of, of economic, sociological, um, political yeah. things that are behind this, and as well as behavioral things. Because um, one thing I want to propose is that every time we go to the grocery store, we're voting with our wallets. Mm, mm-hmm. And in, in, in a society where the economy is so central, mm-hmm. you know, we are a part of the picture. Now, on the other hand, these companies do deeply and intimately understand our evolutionary biology, and they take advantage of that Mm. from the way that the grocery store is laid out to the way that food is packaged to the way that it's advertised. All of this is manipulating our choices to some extent, but none of it takes our freedom away. So every time we go to the grocery store, we're voting with our wallet, and we can be part of the solution. Um, Along along the lines of the solution, something else I wanted to – I'll cut out here in a second and let you guys do your thing, but I just (laughs) – Something you were saying earlier really struck me about um, uh, like filling the space with good things uh, and it helps keep bad things out. And I, and I was thinking about how that's also true for us spiritually. Like when mm. we fill our lives and our souls with prayer and like meditation and mm. um, healthy uh, things that like feed our souls, it's a lot harder for the the negative things that impact us negatively, you know, the evil things to creep in. Um, and, and, uh, you know, whether that's addiction or bad habits or whatever, if we have good habits, it's harder for bad habits to creep in. Right. Uh, and I just thought that was an interesting correlation also with our other, the other side of our, the, the, the human coin. Right. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in there. I'll let you guys do your thing. No, very <laughs> profound, Nicholas. Good, Why, thank good you. point. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the things that can go wrong. What oh, are the boy. problems? Well, just the general term when things are going poorly in the microbiome is a word called dysbiosis. Dysbiosis. People. It just means that the bacteria that are bad are outnumbering the ones that are good. Mm. So, so what you're getting in in your body is isn't helpful, isn't healthy. It's dysbiosis. Something's what is, off. What is an example of that? So, let's talk about that. One example would be an overgrowth of a bacteria called Candida. Mm. It's a it's a strain of yeast, um, and and any yeast overgrowth can be problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, remember the whole track from top to bottom has this microbiome. So some people will get chronic yeast infections mm-hmm. and this can be connected to the microbiome. Interesting. Uh, remember whatever gets washed away needs to be refilled. Mm-hmm. So sometimes something like overwashing, right? Being too clean can be oh, problematic because yeah. then stuff comes in that you don't want. Right. Um, interesting. People also get a, 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 a situation um, from this yeast overgrowth called auto brewer syndrome where there's literally fermentation happening in the gut. The quick, easy way to, to diagnose this is to do a breathalyzer test when you haven't been drinking anything. Oh my goodness. Some people will actually register alcohol on their breath because of their guts fermenting. So next time you get pulled over for, you know, drunk driving, just say, I have a problem. Yeah. There, there's, <laughs> tens, there's tens of thousands of different strands of microorganisms that might be living in us. And and they're in massive quantities. Um, So there isn't one gut microbiome that's healthy. Hmm. There's a whole collection of things that are helpful and then a whole collection of things that are neutral. And as long as the helpful and neutral things are taking up the majority of the space, Mm -hmm. they keep the bad stuff out because they're they're crowding it out. It can't take root because there isn't ground. Just imagine it being like a garden, Mm -hmm. right? Or or your, your lawn. If you keep up your lawn, you don't get weeds because the grass takes up all the space. But once you have that spot that dies, it starts filling up with weeds and crabgrass and all kinds of stuff. Your microbiome is the same way. When it's populated with good stuff, the bad stuff can't take root. 
one of the, the, I think, greatest symptoms that people have is bloating and discomfort after eating. Yes. It's like the food baby syndrome. You get done eating and you feel like you're like twice as big right. as you were before you yes. started eating. Mm-hmm. This is a sign that there's probably something happening that <sighs> you're, you're literally filling with air as things ferment in you. Oh my gosh. There may be other explanations too. And like I said, we're not doctors. So um, not sharing this, <laughs> I did stay at a Holiday and Express last night. <laughs> sharing all this uh, just, I think, can give you maybe a conversation to have. One of the things is this is a lot of new research. A lot mm-hmm. of this is cutting edge. Some doctors might not have even heard about it yet. Wow. Or the medical research hasn't substantiated it mm-hmm. in such a way that it can enter general practice or enter a standard of care model. Um, so an integrative doc- medicine doctor or a functional medicine doctor who's a little bit more on the cutting edge of the science might be a little more helpful with some mm-hmm. of these things. So right. if, if you struggle with, um, with something going on with your, your mood, that you think might be connected if you're struggling with an autoimmune condition, if you think you have one of the symptoms of dysbiosis that we talk about, maybe talk to your family doctor, but also consider talking to a functional medicine doctor or an integrative medicine doctor uh, to work on this. Very, very good point. Like my doctor, I went with my stomach problems and he was like, here, take an antacid here, take this, uh, whatever Mm. it is for ulcers. (laughs) Not working. Yeah, and, and every every medication has uh, a side effect. Yes, has other reactions. Mm-hmm. So, like most medications that prevent the the growth of stomach acid are proton pump inhibitors. Mm-hmm. And when you reduce the stomach acid, you actually make the person's digestion worse. <gasps> so while you take care of the the discomfort mm-hmm. of of the stomach acid, right. on the other hand, you might actually make the further down symptoms worse of what's going on in, in the gut. Because things aren't then digesting correctly, which then yeah. affects your ability to absorb nutrients. Fantastic. So it has this whole domino effect. I did lose in your physiology. like five pounds on medicine. <laughs> yeah. It's all related, people. All it's all it. related. All related. Yeah. Uh, so let's hit on again what we do uh, to improve our gut health. Yes. A human lifestyle, right? We don't want to be overly simplistic, but just think of what made your body what it is and then live that way. A couple episodes ago, we talked about nature bathing. Yes, I want to talk about that. One of, I think one of the biggest issues in the way we think about the world is we think that nature is out there somewhere, mm-hmm. right? I'm not a part of nature and my house isn't a part of nature, so bugs shouldn't get in the house and we need to sterilize the whole environment. I do hate bugs. But the reality is from the Christian context classically, I'm a part of creation and everything that's made is part of creation. My angels are a part of creation and my soul is a part of creation. So from that perspective, as a Christian, everything that's created by God is natural. Hmm. It's part of the system of the created order. And then what's supernatural, what's outside of nature is, mm-hmm. is God and the grace that God offers us is the divine life. Hmm. Um, so we are a part of nature. So being a part of nature is a part of having a healthy microbiome. Mm-hmm. They've, they've found correlations with things like children having pets in the house or going out and playing in the dirt. Oh, I love playing in the dirt. And that these can be helpful because you're exposing yourself to a, a new variety of microorganisms or going out onto a farm, going and yes. picking fruit or something oh. like that. Um, all this stuff can be helpful. Um, other things we want to do is sleep a lot. Oh, I wish I could do that. We live in environments <laughs> with so much artificial light and that oh, keeps yeah. us awake, whether it be the screen on a tablet or a cell phone, uh-huh. or it be the, the lights. 
But we're sleeping less than ever before, I think. And this has massive effects throughout our, our body. Um, hmm. We need to chill out and not stress so much. I concur with that. How right? does one do that? We're overrun by stress. <laughs> well, I don't know if we can get into that all the way, but we the, the last about episode about, about, um, about the nervous system, we talked some about that and we can get into more of it later. But stress is, is actually adaptive. We should have some stress. Right. If something's going to attack us or harm us, our body should mobilize. So it's not a matter of getting rid of all of your stress. It's a matter of disengaging the stress reaction when there's no longer a need for it Mm -hmm. and then engaging it when there is a need. But we live in these states of activation. So the easiest and, and simplest thing sometimes is meditation. Just taking some time in silence, breathing. Um, actually a healthy diet and sleep also have a massive effect on stress. Mm. So this all builds together. You create like a wellness snowball when you're, uh, when you're living a healthy lifestyle where, like that. where it all builds snowball. on each other That's and cool. the other direction, when we're living an unhealthy life, we're building an unwellness snowball where things are rolling downhill. A yellow snowball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, limiting toxins. You know, I mentioned glyphosate, you know, yes. you're, you're taking something into your body that's designed to kill living things. So, so what's that doing to your microbiome? Oh, oh my gosh. Right? I so, make my kids eat this stuff. Like, so some <gasps> people choose to eat organic because they know that glyphosate isn't used on it. But is that true? Like sometimes I wonder if it's actually ar- yeah. organic or if they're just lying to make more money. I mean, the best thing you can do is buy from a farmer you know personally. Have a relationship with your food producer. But that's difficult. I mean, that, yeah. that takes time and that then you have to eat seasonally Dude, also. We just need to like rewind like another hundred years, like pioneer living frontier yeah. house people, PBS, it's a show and they, they understood. There's this. pros and cons to everything. Yeah. There's so no if we running just try to turn back, toilets, if we try to turn back the, the clock, you know, people used to die a lot from infectious diseases and now we don't. Uh, now we and have that's corona. Be- because we can care for those things. And now people die from more lifestyle diseases and chronic diseases mm-hmm. that, that don't just shorten our life. But, but make our quality of life worse. Yeah, right? They don't just hurt our lifespan, they hurt our health span. Mm-hmm. How many years that we are healthy and feel well. Yeah, I think I'd rather die early of an infectious disease than to live 50 years further and be miserable. Well, here's know. the beautiful thing. We have the capability of doing both. Dying early and dying later. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we have the ability to avoid infectious disease and, and acute problems because of our modern medical system Mm -hmm. and then on the other hand avoid most chronic diseases and live healthily because of all the conveniences of modern society Mm. yes right now now everyone in the world doesn't have a lot of choices some people don't have good grocery stores they don't have access to farmers markets or the food produced in their area might not be good some people live in food deserts so so in the united states and especially in affluent areas we are particularly privileged because we can not only get the healthcare we need to avoid real bad stuff that'll kill us fast, mm-hmm. we also have the stuff available to us that we can live well mm-hmm. and feel good for our whole life. Um, so going back to gut health um, and thinking about farmers markets and stuff, mm-hmm. the say I go and buy some corn, I know they sprayed it down with pesticides. Does that affect the gut health? Do you know anything about that? Mm. No. Great. No. Well, another time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, so it, there's no perfect microbiome, too. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to be a perfectionist about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it is, is one, doing what's necessary um, for what you're dealing with in your life. 
And then two, being realistic with your expectations because mm-hmm. you don't want to develop a complex around this. People struggle with an eating disorder called orthorexia, ortho for correct, rexia for eating, so correct eating. It's, it's, a, it's a compulsive need to eat correctly or eat perfectly. Hmm. But like I said, there is no one perfect human diet. There's no one perfect environment. There's, there's yeah. generalities that work. Um, so what I would encourage you to do is if you're struggling with some kind of acute or chronic medical condition to talk to your doctor about it and get tested and follow their recommendations to deal with that issue. But then if you're not, if you're just looking to improve your life, just start making changes right? Just change a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe the next right step for you is to start buying organic, or maybe the next right step for you is some kind of probiotic or, or more or aggressive prebiotic. Gluten-free. Maybe it's just improving your sleep or yeah, mm-hmm. taking something out of your diet that you know you feel crappy every time after you eat it. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about prebiotics and probiotics. Prebiotics are good things that microorganisms eat. Generally, the most common prebiotic are, is fiber the fiber you eat in your diet. So, mm-hmm. so most natural plant foods have fiber in them. Mm-hmm. And then you might also take a fiber supplement. Now, it's not a general rule because some people have actually gone on zero fiber diets, like a carnivore kind of diet where mm-hmm. they're just eating animal stuff. And then they've had their microbiome tested and it's still fine. Why right? is that? We don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a correlation. So we don't know exactly the causation. Mm-hmm. It could be because they're, they are eating mostly natural things that, that their body expects. Oh, okay. um, so they're not in, introducing things to promote the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. There could be sources of healthy microorganisms or prebiotics in the animal food. Like some traditional cultures would have actually ate what was in the digestive tract of an animal that they killed. Oh. Oh. Right. So they were getting plant food by eating what was ah. in the guts of the animal. My mom tried to make me eat liver when I was a kid. It was the worst. So there, there may actually be things in the animal left over from what they eat. So in a sense, the animal eats the plants and then levels up the nutrition, and then the humans eat the animals, and then they also get the benefits from Why? the plants. Why can't it just be not like that? <laughs> it's the circle of life. <laughs> uh, me and Jesus, we're going to have a talk one day. <laughs> so the, the other positive thing we talked about were probiotics. Probiotics is anything with living cultures in it, living organisms in it that, that are healthy, or that are neutral. Um, so you have probiotic foods like, like uh, some of the dairy products you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. And, and then fermented foods might have them in them too. Does that include beer? Probably not. No. You can, there mm-hmm. are some beverages that have um, probiotics, but if it's not labeled that it has probiotics mm-hmm. or active cultures, it probably doesn't. Yeah. Um, so you might get a fermented food like a kimchi or a sauerkraut or a kefir kimchi. is a fermented dairy product. Um, you, or kombucha, something like this. You, you might get something fermented that has the probiotics in it. Okay. Or you might go the route of supplements. Mm. Yeah, I had a kim, kombucha. Is that how you say it? I had it once. Whatever it was, it was like a drink. And it was awful. <laughs> it didn't settle well either. I don't know. Something didn't like me in it. One of those little guys eh, didn't like me. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about some of the theological implications of the microbiome. I want to go all the way back to creation. In, in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve in a garden. And part of their mission was to till and to care for the garden. As humans, we have a vocation of stewardship for nature, a stewardship for God's creation. And, and there's an idea that if we take care of the creation, the creation takes care of us. Really, realistically, we're a part of creation. I'm a part of nature. So by not caring for creation, by not caring for nature, by nature I'm not caring for me. 
too, mm-hmm. right? I'm all a, I'm a part of the system. I'm not apart from it. But this stewardship can be seen on the macro level when we talk about like global climate change or something like that, or it could be on the micro level, mm-hmm. right? How am I a steward of the colony of organisms in my body? Right. This vocation to stewardship, I would say, also extends to caring for our microbiomes. I'm just imagining like naming each of the little creatures, like just caring for them. Anyway. So in a sense, <laughs> your, your body is a garden. <laughs> your body is a garden that you kill, till and you care for. Mm-hmm. And if you take care of it, it'll it take care of you. It takes care of you. And it is you. We're not dualists, we promise. If you want to support everything we're doing here at Awaken Catholic, I would encourage you to become a member of the Awaken Nation. To become a member of the nation, go to awakencatholic.org forward slash donate. We're also partners with the Hollow app here at Awaken Catholic. Hollow is a Catholic meditation app to help you find peace and grow in your spiritual journey. Go to H-A-L-L-O-W dot app forward slash awaken. And if you're interested in anything I'm doing or you want some help applying the ideas of this podcast and are interested in life coaching or spiritual direction, go to becominggift.com forward slash coach. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.